والصلاه والسلام على رسول الله وعلى اله وصحبه ومن والاه welcome everybody to the nothing but facts to the safina society nothing but facts live stream as a string of gorgeous weather out of the great state of new jersey continues we are here in the city of new brunswick home of rutgers university nothing to do with us um, no relation we have no connections with them but it just so happens to be that it's really part of our lives most of our i would say 80% of jerseyans go to uh, this which is the biggest uh, state college in the country but and anyway because i i always start with this but because people always ask where are you like where are you guys at people could come and attend uh, and sit in we have a little audience and we're building out a little audience space here there's going to be a section there for people to come and attend and uh, be our guests so um Uh, for those of you who are always wondering we, where we recording out of where it, it, do we have a physical presence yes we do we have a studio here downstairs we have a soup kitchen three miles less than three miles maybe two three miles away we have a mosque a public uh, building a public mosque that anybody could come to in which we have classes we have events we have all sorts of things going on um Uh, in the masjid so uh, which is mbic new brunswick islamic center mbic.org is the website i myself am part of that team okay uh, and basically all of us that's where we pray that's where we do our um, gatherings we have gatherings for knowledge we have gatherings for dhikr safina society runs darul fatih darul fatih is basically it's a mahad It's a ribat. It's a place of learning. Traditional texts with ijazas. Okay, and uh, chains of transmission. Where does that take place? That play, takes place at NBIC. And keep your eyes out, eyes out. In the future, we're going to be having a gap year program. Where people study in the daytime, can hang out here in the afternoon, then go to the night classes. Okay, so you have all day activity. Then you have... physical sports activities for guys to uh you know studying is all sitting it's not good S sitting down all day is not good back in the day the talib everyone in life was physically active you you want water you go to the well right you want something go to the you have to go far away so with people were walking miles and miles and miles a day uh well we don't have that anymore and um as a result of that we need to get physically active and that's what So that's what our physical activity uh, is done. We got frisbee football, we got basketball courts, we have a ton of things that you could join and sign up for, <coughs> so that you could live a balanced life, you could live a healthy life um, while you're studying. I got a message, uh, Noah. Anybody, please clip this out and paste it under the comments of Patrick Bet David Valuetainment. pbd podcast there are three feeds that they run the pbd podcast stream the valuetainment um uh twitter account and patrick but david's personal account okay today patrick but david who i'm a let me just start it over here uh patrick but david i have a message for you i'm actually one of your listeners right and i got some of your books coming on the way right i really appreciate his style Uh, and and the level that uh, uh, that his production his valuetainment company is at right now and I always watch I go on my feed and you know I don't follow many people but he's one of the people I follow 
And I love this little segment, these 25-minute segments that are educational segments. I think he just started them because so many people don't know much about uh, the Israel-Palestine conflict. But message for Patrick Pet David, um, I'm totally buying into your concept. You got to be fair. Don't be one of the people that just jumps to a conclusion because this is my tribe and I'm going to support them. I'm totally with that. And we Muslims have been told that. The Prophet, peace be upon him, said, support your Muslim brother, oppressor or oppressed. Okay? That was an old Arab saying. They said, how do I support him when he's an oppressor? He said, to stop him from his oppression. You can't stop someone from oppression unless you recognize they're doing wrong. So sometimes our, our, you know, our people do wrong. We got to recognize it. You just recently did History of Hamas, Hezbollah, and ISIS. I recommend people watch it. He cites everything. He's not really clearly that he doesn't have an agenda that it's going to be skewed. I pretty much trust that he transmitted things properly. Well, here's my request. I'm holding up on my iPad, U.S. Department of Justice. Okay. What about the history of Israeli terrorist organizations? Right. If in the spirit of what he just said, which is, you know, look at both sides. Don't jump. So, PBD, can you please do a similar 25-minute uh, 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 video clip with the citations and everything? This is U.S. Department of Justice. It's a government website uh, outlining terror out of Zion. Israel, the, the, all of this is started because of terrorism, right, performed by Zionists. The Irgun, we know the name Hamas. Hamas would not have existed without the Irgun. In other words, all the resistance, all of this resistance, all of this hatred, all of this grievance would not have existed without organizations like the Haganah, the Irgun. How is the Haganah different from what Hezbollah is today? Hezbollah is a state within a state. Well, Lebanon, they're so weak, they can't protect anybody, and we're the Shias here, we're going to do these things ourselves. Let's make Hezbollah. They have their own foreign policy. They have a 150,000-person army, according to your video today, okay? Which I repeat again, I don't f feel that he has, uh, there's no record of him skewing facts. He cites you, what he, uh, you know, whatever he says, which is why I appreciate it, okay? There will be no issue here, right? Without these terrorist organizations, they had the King David Hotel bombing. They had the Nakba. This was all illegal, Okay, Hamza, who's on the other screen, is nodding because he he's a historian himself. All this was illegal. Okay, the Nakba, your audience, just as they know who Hamas is, they have to know what the Nakba is. Okay, they have to know. I myself, I'm not a historian, but it takes two seconds to learn. PBD is not a historian either. He's he's smart enough to figure stuff out. You know, within two weeks. He's knowledgeable, right? It's not hard. This is all public fact. You're listening. So this is my message, PBD. I I love I like this video, right? There was it was not one sided. He brought counter arguments, and then at the end of the day, said, "Like guys, let's just put the facts out, and let's not be from this people who just jump to support their tribe." It's not even logical or practical that my people are going to be right 100 percent of the time. They're going to be right wrong sometimes, right? I'm totally with that. Now let's shift it now to the origins of the whole thing, okay? The origins, the Haganah, 
the Irgun, Zvailiumi, Lehi, okay? Palestinian Underground, 1929-1949. I'm looking at the author, J.B. Bell. This was done in 1977. Book, 385 pages. Where is it? It's on the U.S. Department of Justice, Office of Justice Programs, OJP.gov. So it's not some kind of nonsense. It's not some kind of made-up lies, smearing Israel and smearing Jews. No. They have their share of terrorists, okay? The country was given to them by England and then expanded by terrorists, okay, who did illegal things. And it was, and England's hands were sort of, uh, you know, arm was twisted. What's the expression? Their arms were twisted by these terrorist organizations. That state within a state before Israel became an official state. Well before 1948, they had a military. That's a militia. A military that's not a recognized state was what we call a militia. So if somebody could kindly clip this up, just make it 30 seconds, right? And clip it, make sure you, you say the nice things that I said about him because it's true and I believe that and I'm not trying to throw a rock and pick a fight, but I would really like him to represent both sides, okay? It's not just Hamas, Hezbollah, ISIS, Muslim terrorists, groups. Fine, we want to call them that. That You could call them that and assign them that because they are people with a militia but not a recognized state. So you call that a terrorist organization. Fine. Okay. Well, they would not have existed without the Haganah, the Lehi, the Ergun, probably the worst of them. All right. So... I appreciate it, and I look forward to seeing it, okay? Now that that business is done with, we have another question. In the Sharia, okay, we do not consider companies to be separate entities. Habib, let's say, is sitting to my right. Let's say he has a company, okay? And he runs a, a media organization, all right. Hey, you, Omar, anytime you could bring Hamza on now. Yeah, bring him on. All right. Any de- uh, uh, oh, could you lift my camera up a little bit? Okay. Um, Habib has a media organization. I go to Habib and I say, yo, Habib, your media organization, they just um, smeared me with a lie. Right? He says, oh, well, that's the company. Nothing that I could do about it. Wait, don't you own the company? Yeah, I own the company. Wait, didn't you approve of, of, of everything that happens here? You have to. He said, yeah, you know what? I don't check every day. But wait a second. You, it's your company. You approved of it. Yeah, but we have a system where there's a manager. and not, Yes, okay, but there is oppression happening here. Lies. Go to your manager and fix it. He's under your control. All right. So we don't separate between a company entity and its owner. Okay? Even the publicly traded uh, uh, company has an executive. It has a CEO. He's responsible. He's the nalder almost over this company. Say that. All right? So um, we also don't consider... So when we treat a company the way we treat it, we treat the owner. 
So we nobody could say, hey, listen, well, Starbucks doesn't actually support is uh, the Zionist cause. Remember, we have to separate between Zionists and Jews. The Zionist cause, you know, the Zionists hate when we say that. They hate when we say um, separating between Zionists and Jews. No, well, we should because we have examples of Jews who are not Zionists. Secondly, the idea of a Zionist, it's not necessarily, let, let's even make it more specific. Jews versus apartheid supporters. That's even more specific, right? Uh, hey, Hamza, what is an ap apartheid supporter? An apartist? <laughs> I don't know. What do we an call apartheid. an apartheid supporter? Huh? Um, a supporter of apartheid, supporter of war crimes. I think another important thing is, is the majority of Zionists today are not Jews. They're evangelical Christians. Um, That's, and thank, even, you. thank you. Yeah. So most, I would say they're probably more Christian Zionists than, Jew, than Jewish Zionists. By far. By far, because if you take Texas alone, right? Texas alone probably has this more Zionists in it who support apartheid, wipe out these Gazans, bring back Jesus, as if they're, that's, the, that's the, what they believe, okay? Then Israel itself. And there's probably Israelis who are not apartheid supporters, Right? Because if you're a kid, then you're just born into a country. That does not necess necessarily make you. And you were forced to go in the army. You were forced, right? That does not necessarily make you an apartheid supporter that we would consider, you know, that you're an enemy to us. Because you're, right, you're an oppressor. I, I, I would actually take a pretty open-minded view to that. Because if you're a kid and you're just born into a country, you're going about your business and you're clubbing in Tel Aviv and all that stuff, okay? You're not even... A, awake you're in another world okay then all of a sudden they say oh you go serve two years in the military so serve two years in the military there it's very likely that there are some right liberal is progressive israelis who are against this apartheid so that's to make our language as you know refined as possible as, as accurate as possible we don't separate between the company and its owners if the owner is is a Zionist, then what is supporting him being a Zionist? His company, right? So I'm not going to be buying if I, and I know that a company, the, the owner is actively accepting and supporting the apartheid in Gaza and the West Bank, all right? And this oppression, then I have to boycott his company. You can't separate between the two. What, what, how is he so successful? That's the, the topic of today, all right? And does the boycott matter? Yeah, it does matter. I'll tell you what it matters because it's a micro decision that Allah's watching. That's how I view it. I don't view it as, oh, this is going to hurt his business. Probably not. I view it that if, I, if I'm on Amazon and I'm se selecting coffee beans to order to my house, I can order from Starbucks and I can order from, I mean, nobody buys Starbucks from Amazon, but just as a hypothetical. I can order Starbucks. I'm, I'm, I'm ordering a French press. I can order it from Starbucks. I can order it from random company, some random company. That is a micro decision in our lives, right? <clears throat> the way to avoid big losses, the way to avoid catastrophes is to avoid micro losses, small losses. If you avoid 
20 micro losses a day. That 20 times 365 times 300 is 6,000 losses. 6,000 losses, 6,000 little bad things is going to bring you a problem some way, shape, and form. Okay? All right, Hamza, take it away. Tell us what we should think about, uh, what's his name? Schultz? Charles Schultz, whatever his name is. Howard Schultz. What should we think about Howard Schultz? And are we boycotting Starbucks? Yeah. So Howard Schultz is an interesting figure because he's a, you know, very avid supporter of Zionism, of Zionist causes, all this sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And in the past, uh, Starbucks has been targeted uh, as part of like the BDS movement. Um, But Starbucks actually released a statement in the past and they said that, you know, we don't support the occupation in any way. Our company doesn't support these things, all that. And even the BDS movement, the Boycott, Divestment, Sanctions movement, they even said that Starbucks is not one of kind of the objects of our boycott. And what the BDS movement said was, we are a targeted boycott. So we target companies that we know can successfully kind of be affected by these uh, boycotts. So mm-hmm. they tra- they normally target not super big companies. Because if you want to target like McDonald's, McDonald's is in a sense kind of too big to fail. Um, it's one of the biggest corporations in the world. But if you target a company like SodaStream, SodaStream was operating in illegal West Bank settlements. There was a campaign of boycotts against them. And then SodaStream actually moved out of the settlements. So that was kind of like a win for the BDS movement in a sense. Um, But recently what Starbucks did um, is their workers union released a statement basically saying that we stand with the Palestinian people. We stand in solidarity with Palestine, all this sort of stuff. And then following that, Starbucks, um, the workers union actually ended up taking down the tweet and Starbucks actually sued the union and they said that you were hurting our image, all of this sort of stuff. Um, and then Starbucks also released their statement that, you know, we we stand with, you know, the Israeli civilians that were killed, all of that, ignoring also that at this point it was what 1400 Israelis that were killed. And I think as of like half an hour ago, over 7000 Palestinians have been killed in Gaza. So they issued a statement for the Israeli civilians that have been killed, but not for the over five times kind of Palestinian civilians that have been killed. So there's been a large boycott of Starbucks um, really around the world, around the global South, all of that. Um, And there are some interesting tweets uh, that, uh, Umar, if you want to put up, like if you look at like countries like Kuwait, countries like Qatar, the Starbuckses are empty there. Mm. Um, So this has kind of been a targeted boycott campaign. I was actually looking up if Starbucks stock has been affected. I found one article that says the stock has been affected. Um, And then I saw another kind of article that says Starbucks stock is going down, but it didn't mention that it's because of this kind of boycott. Uh, So this is kind of the issue with kind of boycotting these big corporations is that you're not gonna impact them in the way you can impact a more mid-tier organization. But I still think it's important for kind of what you said, that as Muslims, it's not always for us about what creates the impact. Sometimes you just have to make kind of the ethical, moral decision. Um, so that's something that's also very important. Like we have the hadith where it says, in Sahih Muslim, it says, if the day of judgment is happening before you and you have a sapling in your in your hand, you plant the sapling. Yeah. You know the sapling is not going to come to fruition because the day of judgment is happening, but you still kind of put in, you still make the ethical decision in that moment. <clears throat> that's exactly what I want to mention. Um, I don't expect when I do a boycott, um, the first tier of my expectation is not damaging that company. 
you know, when, if a nation was to boycott the products of another nation, that might be different. But as an individual, I don't expect it. My primary uh, motivation for a boycott is that Allah's watching me and he judges me on micro decisions. Okay. Look at the prophet's hadith in which he, he, he looks at people and uh, or, uh, sorry, he um, describes people who are in uh, Jahannam. And he said, they didn't enter by big sins, right? They entered by small sins, which they despised. Despised meaning, ah, it's, just, it's so tiny. Yet these things, if you do 50 of that a day, 50 a day, how much is that in a year? How much is that in a, in a decade? It becomes an unmovable mountain, much like the climate problems that we have today. One trip to the supermarket, well, what is that going to do with my car? Yeah, but times 5 billion, right, a year. Now you have a problem. But because it was micro, it's like having sand. Someone threw sand in the studio, on the camera, in the couches, on the TV, in the keyboard. I would have much rather them take all that sand, put it in one boulder, and throw it in the, uh, through the window, right? Because I can identify that. Sand, it's so small, right, that it just gets everywhere. It's impossible to get it out. That's why I want people to completely change and transform their view of action, okay? Results are always results of micro deeds, very small. What does Allah tell us in the ch chapter of the Quran that is small that every child memorizes? The little Adam's weight of a deed, you're going to see it. Okay? Why? Well, what is this other than like a couple trillion atoms, right? Atoms are important. What is this body right here except for billions upon billions of cells, right? A bunch came and formed a heart. A bunch came and formed a stomach. A bunch came and formed a skin, etc. So if we don't care about the micro actions, our personal micro actions, we're not going to succeed. Okay. So that's why, that's my motivation is that Allah's watching. This is a micro action. It's not going to, it's in itself affect Starbucks. I don't care. Right. But do I know for a fact that a guy built his, that, that built this empire, which I love, by the way, I love the business. I love the business. I love the branding. Okay. And I, and I, I even like their, 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 their product too. Right. Like the, the coffee itself. But, and I use it as an office space. My justification for ever drinking, if I ever need office space, I buy a, sh uh, you know, like a little small cup, of, cup and I, I consider that my rent. I feel like I need to buy something because I'm using their space, right? I have meetings there. I sit there for, for, for uh, some downtime between events or meetings or something. We just all go there. And that's my justification for it. But if the owner is now expressly stating that he's a Zionist, and he's in his personal life. I cannot separate these two things. I can't go there more. So that's where... Now, for the current situation, they mentioned sympathy for Israelis, not for Palestinians. That's one thing. Secondly, that's one issue. Secondly, they, um, their issue with the workers' union, to me, is a non-issue. The workers' union used Starbucks to, and made it appear as if a branch of Starbucks is supporting the Palestinians. Starbucks said, no, no, stop right there. To me, that's not an issue. I'll tell you what, the biggest issue is Howard Schultz in his personal life, right? Is he, he personally, and, and, and pull up that Arab News article, and I'll read it to you guys. 
he personally in his personal life has been involved, has received awards, has a very co- cozy relationship to IDF related organizations. All right. Hamza, what do you have before I pull this ar- ar- article up? It's an old article. Very old, mm-hmm. but doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. That's, what do you know about Howard Schultz in his personal life? He donates to Zionist causes. He's an avid Zionist in himself, all of mm-hmm. that. Um, I know that Starbucks itself, they always say that they don't support. It doesn't make a difference. It, the owner is the one who's the beneficiary, right? Like if I discovered that Phil Knight all of a sudden uh, is donating money to, I don't know, some racist cause, I'm not going to buy his product. I don't care if Nike itself says, no, no, we, we don't do this. And you also keep in mind there's a two people are talking out of both sides of their mouth. People on one hand... Are, if if you support the the Zionist uh, IDF in one uh, sphere, and then turn around and donate some money to the Palestinians, you're just a munafik. Okay, and that's why Sheikh Mujir al Khatib recently said, if you make du'a for Ahl Gaza, okay, and you stop there, all right, your du'a is incomplete. You must make du'a against the people killing Ahl Gaza. You have to make dua against the oppressor. May Allah stop them. At the very least, may Allah guide them and stop them. If, right? If you're a soft-hearted person and you say, well, I, you know, I, I don't want to be so rough. Okay, may Allah guide them and stop them from oppression. At the very least, you have to say that. And if not, then may Allah destroy them. Okay? Other people, they get more you know, emotional in their dua or angry. And they say, you know, may Allah... Uh, 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 destroy them, punish them, etc. But I would say, okay, say start off for the sake of your own heart. May Allah guide them to stop this oppression. You don't choose who Allah guides. Don't ever say, no, no, they can't be guided. Don't say that, right? Say, may Allah guide them, stop them from oppression. And if not, if they refuse the guidance, then destroy them, right? And let us see a day in which the people of Islam are feared. Because we're not feared right now. That's what, exactly what the Prophet said. The fear has been taken out of the hearts of your enemies. Rohingyans, Uyghurs, Indians in Uttar Pradesh, and all over India, other parts of India, Philistine, Syria. No one fears Muslims. France. Okay. All right, keep, uh, keep talking, uh, Hamza. Tell me. Yeah, so then with McDonald's, what happened is that McDonald's Israel was giving out free food to Israeli soldiers, mm-hmm. and they ended up opening five new restaurants. Um, and this drew the ire of people, obviously. And in the Middle East, there was actually a big uh, campaign to boycott McDonald's. And McDonald's branches, franchises in Egypt, in Pakistan, in Oman, in Kuwait, in Qatar, in Jordan, all of these places, they released statements basically saying that um, they have they have the same parent company as McDonald's Israel, but they don't condone this behavior. And McDonald's branches in the Middle East have actually uh, donated money uh, to the Palestinian cause. Um, but again, this comes back to the fact that BDS, if we're going to be kind of intelligent in the way that we boycott, um, we should, uh, what's it called, be targeting companies that um, are kind of more attainable in a sense. Um, so if we look at the list of like kind of BDS companies, like we shouldn't be buying stuff from SodaStream. We shouldn't be buying Sabra Hummus. 
Um, we shouldn't be buying HP things like HP laptops, HP uh, phones, stuff like that. These are things that are actually kind of targets of the BDS movement. Um, if someone wants to boycott McDonald's, I think it, it is useful. I, I mean, who's what Muslim is eating McDonald's except for the followers of what's his name? What's that sheikh out of Saudi? Who is eating uh, what Muslims eat McDonald's except the followers of Asim al Khatib? What's his name? Uh, Asim al Hakim. Asim al Hakim. Yeah, don't yeah. give that fetzo about McDonald's. You don't live in America. You don't know anything about this life. It's not a Christian nation. Right? Where, where, where are you getting this? Dude, yeah. Half the population is atheist. You know why he has to give that fatwa though, right? Yeah, why? Because uh, I watched his video on it. It's very interesting. Yeah. He's like, even if you're in Pakistan or Egypt, he's like 30% of the country, they're mushrikeen, they're grave worshippers. So oh, he's like, we just take wow. that how the country is. Here we go. So it comes to their theory mindset. So it's Here like, we go. It, it, they got to be consistent in a, in a sense. Here we go. Unbelievable. Yeah. So those, so the Muslims... If he's a Brailvi, we can't eat his meat. He's a mushrik because he does exactly. Tawassuni and he recites the Burda. But if he's a Christian Zionist in Texas and owns uh, a, a McDonald's or, or a restaurant, yeah, you eat all his meat all you want. Yeah, the, the issue or of... What would you say? Or even if he's an atheist agnostic. An uh, somehow atheist, America yeah. became a Christian country. Wait, so is, is it the slaughterer or is it the nation he's living under? Where What, what thinking is this? Secondly... The food, the, the slaughtered meats of Ahl al-Kitab are permitted if they are followers of that, if they're, if they're adherents, not adherents, just they consider them part of one of these two religions. They don't have to be religious. And two, it's cut with the throat, right? It's cut at the throat. That's, that's when it becomes necessary. You cannot stun an animal. It's meta. If a Muslim stuns an animal, is it halal or haram? Haram, right? For us to eat. How can we then say that we can eat the food of Jews and Christians even if they stun it? All right, just because Allah says and the what, what they they say it's a statement from Imam Ahmed ibn Hanbal. No, I don't know if it is or not. But even is well, that does not become a hujja. We are allowed to eat the food, the meats, the slaughtered meats of people of the book if they cut the jugular vein. Okay. And then the Hanafis, we required a tasmiyah, even for kitabi. I don't know if it's the same for the Medici. No, we don't need, we don't, uh, the, the Shafi'i school doesn't need required tasmiyah. It's a sunnah. The Maliki school requires it, but if he forgets or he cannot do it, it's okay, right? There could be a reason for him not, not being, he, he remembers, but he can't do it, okay? And that's why the Shafi'is and the Maliki's, they do allow the machine slaughtering of chicken, as long as it's operated by a Muslim. They consider that like a big knife, right? Um, one big knife. And so the problem with machine-slaughtered food, and we've done this many times, but I like to repeat things for people to benefit. Uh, the problem with the machine-slaughtered is that sometimes, is that there must be a Muslim, like there must be an operator ensuring that the animal is alive, the neck is cut, then it dies. Because they, they oftentimes shock these animals with a little electricity to get the chicken to be knocked out. If the shock electricity kills the chicken, it's meta. If one mistake happens. So the issue with the machine slaughter is the actual accuracy of the process. It's not the theory. The theory is not an issue for the Madikis and the Shafis and the Hanbadis, Okay, It may be an issue. The Hanafis may require a connection to the animal and the knife. Set that aside, okay? 
because the, the, all the Muslims are not going to be bound by one madhab. So let's look at the broadest of it. The issue is that, is it actually happening? So does electricity kill the animal? In which case that's meta. Meta is an ant we cannot eat. It means it died other than through ritual slaughter. Does the blade, it, could the animal possibly move and the blade doesn't uh, cut the neck? Maybe cuts the chest. Maybe cuts the beak. And the animal just dies of bleeding later on. That animal has to be removed. That's meta. If one mistake happens out of a million, okay? If there are a, a, a million slaughtered chickens in a pile and someone says there's one, that's not halal, okay? But we can't identify which, which, where it is, right? Mm-hmm. We can't go through them. And if you did, they all look the same. Then the whole pile is haram, has to be discarded. Because you have to know for sure what you're eating is halal. Huh? Wouldn't it be because it's an exception like mishmushkida or no? No, if I have, forget the million because that's a ridiculous number. If I have a vat of a thousand chickens and somebody says Uh 2% of them didn't get slaughtered properly, right? We're not allowed to eat the whole whole vat. The whole thing has to be discarded. Yeah. So the issue people have with the sla- uh, the machine slaughter, which is correct and applicable to the Madikis, Shafis and Hambadis and non everyone else, is that it doesn't get that doesn't get done properly. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, but in theory, in theory, um, the machine slaughter is not the issue. But so, Asim and Hakim's fatwa that because the umbrella nation is Christian, so what happened? Like where in what fiqh is the umbrella of the nation what matters? No, it's the slaughterer who matters, right? It's the slaughterer that matters. I can have I can go to India or not go to Pakistan, which is a Muslim nation, and a Hindu there, hypothetically a Hindu moves there, or an American owns a farm there, an atheist, right? Are we now gonna accept that meat? And he owns a company. Right or Tyson's built a factory in Pakistan. Well, are we just accepting it? No, it's the slaughterer, the person who does it, or the factory who does it. That's the issue. Okay, if a non-Islamic company, a non-Muslim company, goes and brings on a Muslim and says, "Hey, listen, there's a lot of Muslim customers. You are now responsible to make sure that the meat is halal." Right. So he goes around and he observes all these factories, and he sees that Muslims are slaughtering the meat, or Christians are slaughtering meat, or Jews are slaughtering the meat correctly. Okay, and he says to the company, "Yeah, it's all halal." And then it's packaged so that it's not mixed up with any other chicken meat, and trans transmitted to us directly from what he saw to us without any other hands in between. Okay, we accept it, even if it's a non-Muslim company. Remember, between slaughter and and you picking up it up at the register, there's a transmission process there. So we, we also consider that in the Sharia so that the meat doesn't get mixed up. Anyway, all of these are just little things that uh, is one of those subjects like why are we even worried about McDonald's? But anyways, there's some McDonald's in the Arab world. Are they halal? I guess so, right? They are. Or at least they allegedly or they claim to be halal. And Muslim managers, middlemen are ensuring this. So uh, what is the deal with McDonald's? They're supporting both sides. <coughs> 
in a sense, yeah. The McDonald's in the Arab world have kind of reactively kind of donated to the Palestinian cause um, and issued statements distancing themselves from the parent organization and all of that. Um, and McDonald's in Israel continues to give free food to Israeli soldiers while uh, basically in food packages while Palestinians are deprived of food, deprived of water, deprived of electricity and living under siege and blockade. Um, so, yeah, so that's basically what's happening with that. McDonald's, are they franchises? So this they, is what I don't fully right? understand. Huh? They are franchises, but McDonald's Israel seems to be under the same parent company as the other kind of McDonald's. So McDonald's kind of international is the parent company of all of these things. And McDonald's international seems to be kind of, kind of not taking like a release stance. Maybe they issued one of these nonsense statements where it's like, you know, we condemn the killing of Israelis without condemning the killing of Palestinians. But McDonald's like in America, the kind of parent company has kind of given the franchisees like kind of free reign on this stuff. So McDonald's Israel has supported the oppressor and McDonald's in the Arab world and the broader Muslim world has kind of in response to criticism taken the opposite stance. So so the parent company is doing what I would have done uh, as a, if I ran a company, I would say, listen, make just flip the patties, right? Do not get engage yourself in in an issue. If you want to forbid wrong, you forbid wrong on your own time. If I'm a Muslim and I run a company, a restaurant, Flip the burgers. Flip the burgers for the customers, right? If you want to forbid the wrong, don't do it at my restaurant. Okay? I want to sell to everybody, right? I will forbid the wrong myself openly at my own time. If I'm a company, that's what I do. Why? Because, now, okay, now I take a position on this one. All right, next issue, I have to take a position. Next issue, what am I going to hire a political consultant now when I'm just at a restaurant? If I ran a business, I, the business is one thing. As long as the business is not supporting haram, the business is not going to be my means, my, my avenue, my arm of commanding right and forbidding wrong. If I want to command right and forbid wrong, I open another or I'll take some of my money out of that business and use it to fund another organization that people know exactly what they're getting. Okay. You come to this Fina Society live stream, you know exactly what you're getting. We teach in the dean and we're looking at matters of current events through the prison of the dean. Okay, ahl sunnah full stop. We're not even discussing for you what is haqq and batib. That's the policy of the organization. That's it. That's how I said MBIC. Uh, they say something like, "Oh, what, what is this?" We, we say we teach the ashari aqidah in this mosque, right? Yeah, and we have mawalid too. Oh, this is not right. Okay, we're not discussing right and wrong right here. That's the policy of the masjid. That's it. Okay, so that. Am I wrong in saying this? If I got a, a, a restaurant, a shoe company, just sell the shoes. Don't get yourself involved in anything. Okay? So it looks like McDonald's International is taking that policy. So if McDonald's in Israel are supporting uh, Israelis and the IDF, it's not McDonald's, the parent company, that's doing it. It's just that owner who's doing it, Right? So really, are, is there even a case? And I feel like this is also one issue that like, Muslims have, where it's like sometimes we kind of get lost in the sauce, right? So mm -hmm. like there's a lot of energy, there's a lot of anger, there's a lot of we're very upset over what's happening in Palestine. So it's like, okay, we want to target these corporations. But the 
and then let's say you know the violence dies down um you know palestinians just go back to kind of living under siege quietly instead of zero hours of electricity the day that they're getting now you know they get the four hours of electricity they were getting a month ago all of that things go back to you know what is allegedly normal and then we just go back to like things yeah. um whereas if we actually target the companies that the bds movement has been targeting for like over a decade um that is a much more kind of strategic and intelligent means of boycotting like i think we should always boycott mcdonald's but not because of what they're doing in israel um i mean if you're getting a fish fillet or something i don't think it's like a big deal um and maybe like i wouldn't recommend this right now but there are kind of like more important uh, companies to target and that's where I think we should uh, kind of direct people to. Uh, okay, Wix. Talk to me about Wix. What's the status with Wix? Wix uh -huh. is the back end of most people's websites, by the way. Uh huh. I don't. I, I don't know what Wix is. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. So, Habib, why don't you research Wix? What was their statement on Palestine? Um, let's now turn to if I if I want to go back real quick to about about Howard Schultz. Someone says he owns only like one one to two percent of the company. Does that matter? It doesn't matter matter to me because that's where his fortune's made out of. But um, and and he probably the has other a thing is, Yeah, yeah. And the other thing is, is like you can't Google like the political opinions of like the CEO of like every company, and it's then you have practical. to go into how no, much it's not practical. Share, yeah, yeah. How much share do they hold? Okay, if this guy owns five percent of shares and he's like a Zionist, this guy owns twenty percent of shares and he's yeah, exactly. like, you know, at what point? Yeah, yeah. at what? It's, it's, can, haraj is it's too much. Haraj is the word that it's an absurd. It's a it's a unreasonable level of hardship, and when you become sort of um, living in a, in a way that's not practical anymore, that's not part of the spirit of Sharia. But when something becomes known mutawatir out there. Okay, known and mutawatir. Uh, then mutawatir means so widely spread, everybody you know uh, knows that it can't be denied. That's when we have a more uh, an obligation in the sight of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. All right. So, but I just want to read this off. In 1998, Howard Schultz was honored by Jerusalem, the Jerusalem Fund of Aish Haturah, Israel's 50th anniversary Friend of Zion Tribute Award for his service to the Zionist state, promoting the alliance between Israel and America. Uh, the Aish HaTorah funds the Israeli uh, arms fairs, all right? And this was this award was removed from the Starbucks homepage. He is aware that this is not a good look for him, all right, while though he believes in it. The original page listing Howard Schultz's uh, Israel Award uh, as an award for Starbucks can still be seen um, on their site. The new page, however does not mention the Israel connection. Another search revealed that Robert Fisk, okay, wrote about Schultz in 2002. Uh, he said that Schultz has been trying to damp down its pro-Israeli image, telling protesters we have written to the company that its chief executive, Howard Schultz, does not believe that terrorism is represented of the Palestinian people. Thanks a lot. That's, uh, what kind, what kind of, how is that positive, Right. Uh, well, does he does he condemn, and does he still support financially or otherwise? What's happened? The apartheid and the IDF, all right? That's the question, and the government because it's an official government policy. All right. Fast forward to the summer to this summer in two thousand. This was old argument uh, article. Friends of Al Aqsa and Peace in Palestine wrote on the problems between Oxfam and Starbucks. Friends notes that Oxfam ended a year long contract with Starbucks. 
to me, this is actually important. Starbucks is, believe it or not, a big part of our my a lot of people's lives. There's one, there's a very cozy one, and I know everyone who works there, right? I literally know the people who work there. Right at the corner from my house to MBIC, right? Just at the corner, it's there. If I need to get some quiet time, if I need to, you know, meet somebody, not in my house and not in the message so we don't get interrupted, that's like my office, right? So, it, it, and a lot of people feel the same way because the, a lot of people go to these coffee shops to have meetings and everything, okay? Oxfam denied that Muslim work groups were behind its decision, okay? Uh, uh, and uh, to terminate its collaboration with Starbucks. Friends, also another organization, also notes that Starbucks failed in Israel. Starbucks invested in Israel. Well, that doesn't matter to us. Okay. That does, it failed in Israel is irrelevant to us. All right. Um, attending a recent conference, Rubner, people were offended that Starbucks was served. That's irrelevant to us. Uh, Schultz has been praised by the Israeli government for sponsoring pro-Israel, anti-Palestinian seminars on college campuses, losing the media battle, for example. All right. His company has sponsored a fundraising event for the Israel Emergency Solidarity Funds, an organization which engages in crass anti-Palestinian propaganda to raise money to support the families of Israeli soldiers. Um, the CEO of Starbucks is so supportive of Israel and the system of apartheid that it has foisted on the Palestinian people, that we strongly urge you to reconsider your arrangements to serve Starbucks products. Based upon this, that's how I'm going to make the decision, right? Which is basically, uh, not that it's going to change the world, but it's going to, it's a decision, right? Uh, not to go with them anymore. Now, we all have an obligation to make sure that corporations that we do business with, you know, promote what's right and don't promote what's wrong. That's it. That's a summary of it. So based upon um, uh, upon this, and here's the beauty of it. R this Rubner character is not, has nothing to do with the, he's not an Arab, he's not a Muslim. He's not an Arab and not a Muslim, right? So, um, so to me, that's that adds even more to it. It adds more to it. He's not, he doesn't have the same kind of... Uh, Allegiance that we do. Okay. All right, Hamza, what are the... Co so, so uh, soda, what did you say? Soda uh, cola? Soda stream. Soda stream, what is yeah. that? Uh, is that a computer company soda or is it a drink? No, no, it's like a drink. It's like you, you come to your house, it makes soda in different flavors. It's like a homemade soda machine. All right, so um, give us the list of little companies that we weren't buying from anyway because we don't even know they exist so that we cannot buy from them in the future. Or like Sabra Hummus, for example. A lot of people will buy Sabra Hummus and they won't know. Um, How about dates? Isn't there a company that makes dates? There is a menstrual uh, yeah. date company out Early of Israel. Dates. Yeah. Um, what's it called? American Muslims for Palestine has a very good campaign they do every Ramadan where they basically go to these halal stores and tell them to boycott like Israeli dates, uh, which mm -hmm. is very important. Um, stuff like this. And this is stuff that actually makes an, an impact. Like if if... All the Muslims in the West don't buy from a particular date company in Ramadan. That could put that date company out of business. Yep. Or it'll have the force. It'll force them to reconsider their operations. And it's kind of little victories like that. In 2015, they did a study, and they found that as a result of BDS, 
foreign investment in Israel was down 47%. Um, and economics is something that's very important. One of the ways that apartheid in South Africa was brought to an end was through uh, a campaign of boycott, divestment, and sanctions. Yeah. Um, so that is you know, very, very important. It's extremely um, important. Uh, it's extremely important. And again, it is a strategy, but it is an individual obligation first. It's a fard ayin to ensure that if it becomes widely known, you are not required to do an investigation for every company that you buy, every product that you buy. But if it becomes to your knowledge with sound transmission and sound facts, accurate facts and sound transmission, right? That this company's revenues, its owners, its people, its representative, its face is now going to support anything that is forbidden. Okay. We are forbidden individually from buying it relevant or uh, effective or ineffective and i'm telling you that's mm -hmm. the most important feature of any bds uh, uh ethic any vds practice the most important feature is the belief allah is watching me i'm obligated whether i like it or not to do or not to do to to, to avoid something or not to avoid something okay because Allah is watching, and this microtransaction that I'm doing with my money, I'm going to see it on the Day of Judgment, and Allah is going to ask me about it. Allah is not going to ask me, why don't you research for 33 hours on the internet before you bought this straw, right? Allah's not going to ask me that. But he will say, oh, did you not be in attendance when somebody presented the facts, okay, accurately, that this company... Um, Sends, uh, supports Israel or its founders support uh, 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 oppression? Oh, yes, my Lord, I was there. Then why did you keep buying? Because I didn't think it would have an impact. No, it didn't have an impact on Israel, but it has an impact on your Jahannam. Go. That's the impact it's going to have. So look at the, G the brilliance of Allah knows better about his creation than us. Allah knows better. The brilliance of the motivation is, no, no, forget the company. You may not affect them. You are going to be affected. You could be put in Jahannam for this. You will suffer from this, right? You will be punished for this. That is the brilliance of it, and that should move, that should move us to be steady with it. So the two conditions, in my opinion, of a BDS is that it's the motivation that I just mentioned, and two, that it has to be, you know, factual, accurate, and mutawatir too, right? And maybe one person did the research, right? Maybe one, and that's why these researchers are good. One person did the research, but then it becomes mutawatir. So it's mustafid, right? One person went in, dug deep, and discovered, oh my gosh, this guy has many layers of PR, but behind it all, I have facts, not allegations, facts, okay? Objective facts that this guy supports something bad, okay? something shady and he's a shady person it also, so has, it also has basis in the tradition it's something interesting that it's mentioned about imam Nawawi that he grew up in noah yeah and then he went to damascus and there was something about how the farms were conquered in damascus where after a while it became legitimate shara'an 
but he still did not ethically feel right about eating food grown on stolen land. So it said that his father would bring dried fruits from Noah because he didn't want to eat any food that was grown in Damascus. SubhanAllah. So this is the second time that I've heard this, that where Muslim scholars recognize that their ummah, okay, their khalifa, their sultan, conquered lands illegitimately and used it illegitimately. They won't eat from it. Now, Hamza, you're you're up next. You're going to talk now about. We're going to shift now from companies to to Hamas and South Africa. Sort of going back mm-hmm. to originally what we did with the PBD podcast. And for anyone listening, I want people to post. Patrick, but David is a guy who um, he's got a podcast. He's very influential. I sent him a little message. It's a bit wordy, so chop it up. Make it thirty seconds. Get his attention. Put it on his feeds. All right. Reply to his his Twitter account with it so that he could see it. And if you missed it, you came late, you can go to the beginning of the live stream and see it. How is Hamas different from the ANC? How are they the same? Can you define Hamas and the ANC? Talk to us about both and then compare and contrast. And Omar, could you put him on full screen? Because I'm going to get up for a second. Yeah, put him on full screen because I need to get up for a second. Um. Like like Hamas, the ANC is not was not the only organization involved in the kind of liberation struggle. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of one of the Israeli kind of propaganda methods that they'll say the Palestinian resistance is Hamas. Whereas mm-hmm. like even if we look at what's happening in Gaza right now, there are other groups fighting. There's Islamic Jihad, which is another kind of like Islamist group. Um, there is the PFLP, the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine. They're currently also engaging in kind of armed uh, conflict with against occupation and all of that. They're a Marxist group. They're a communist group that was... Um, Which one did you say? Which one? Uh, Pop- Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine. What's the uh, Arabic? Um, they're called Shabia... Oh, okay. This is not the big one. Yeah, it's not one of the big ones. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but the founder was George Habash, who's a Palestinian Christian. Vice actually did an ar- article a couple of years back, and they ta- it's called the Marxists of Gaza. So mm. they're the third biggest group in Gaza right now. Then there's the Democratic Front for the Liberation of Palestine, which is another Marxist group. And then there's another group called Lion's Den, which is kind of relatively recent, um, which is actually mostly in the West Bank. Um, and if you look at apartheid South Africa, the African National Congress was one of many groups that was involved. There was also the Pan-Africanist Congress, which was um, a little bit more kind of Pan-Africanist oriented and all of that. Um, and there were other groups involved. Um, the Palestinian and the South African struggles, they, in uh, the PLO and the ANC actually trained together in Algeria uh, to kind of prepare like armed resistance and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, in both cases, they're anti-colonial struggles um, they're fighting systems of apartheid, fighting systems of occupation, and under international law, they have the right to resist militarily. What they do not have the right to do under international law is to target civilians. Um, and unfortunately, in the case of the African National Congress, and in the case of the kind of Palestinian kind of resistant groups, unfortunately, they have done that. Um, and you also see this with other groups like the IRA in Ireland. So it's a very common thing that occupied groups um, sometimes do not resist and and unfortunately they do not resist in kind of like the most perfect of ways. Um, So in that case, uh, they're kind of uh, similar. 
Um, and I mentioned this on the last, last podcast, but one thing that Desmond Tutu talked about is he said that um, when the transition happened from um, apartheid to uh, democracy in South Africa, he said that the apartheid government engaged in many crimes against humanity. He said the liberation movements also engaged in crimes against humanity, the African National Congress, the Pan-Africanist Congress, all of that. And he said, but the apartheid system was the kind of primary infection and the secondary infections uh, were what the kind of liberation groups committed. So as we see in Palestine today, uh, we see many, we, we would say that kind of human rights violations by you know, groups like Hamas, Islamic Jihad, the PFLP, the DFLP, they're secondary infections. And the primary infection is that of occupation, is that of apartheid, is that of kind of the kind of Israeli kind of military occupation and its apparatus. Um, other ways in which they're the same is they're, they're both fighting systems of settler colonialism. Um, Europeans came to South Africa and took the land from the indigenous people and the indigenous people fought back. Um, similarly, in the case of Palestine, that's um, what is happening. Um, ways in which they're different. Um, I don't think the South African government had the kind of propaganda apparatus that the Israeli government has. So there was definitely American support for the apartheid regime, and they use very similar arguments they use in South Africa. Um, so oftentimes, if you criticize Israel, they'll say that, you know, um, why are you criticizing Israel? Why are you not criticizing this Arab government or that Arab government or something like that? Um, in South Africa, you'll see similar critiques where people would say that, you know, why are you crit critiquing South Africa and not other kind of African countries that are engaging in human rights abuses? Um, you will also see the argument that, oh, why are you singling out this country? There's an article in the Christian Science Monitor from like the 80s that says South Africa shouldn't be singled out for criticism. Um, but in South Africa, um, there was kind of like this solidarity movement and the United States was eventually kind of forced due to kind of like, you know, young people to African-Americans to kind of minority groups from like their pressure and their activism to kind of pull support for the apartheid regime. But they did not have the kind of lobby that the Israel lobby has. The Israel lobby, they're kind of unparalleled in a sense. Um, maybe the NRA has like a similar amount of power that the Israel lobby does, but even the NRA, they seem to really only have solid control over one party, whereas the Israel lobby has control over really both political parties, aside from like a select few in the Democratic Party. Um, so the fact that the Israeli government has this kind of huge lobby is something that is uh, is something that's uh, very dangerous um, that the South African government just didn't have. Um, so in the case of, of America, um, merely people putting pressure on the kind of government is not enough. Uh, there's also going to be what we need, which is like a weakening of the Israel lobby, which has been happening kind of over the past few years. Um, but yeah, those are the ways in which the kind of two, um, in which the the Palestinian kind of resistance and South African resistance are similar and in which they in which they're different. Um, one thing that I think is very important, um, Umar, if you want to, uh, pull up the polling from the UK that shows the amount of, uh, British people who have supported, um, British Muslims who supported labor in the conservative party before the election 
and who support it now. Um, are you able to put that on the screen? Yeah, yeah, I'll put it right now. I'll have it up. Yeah. Because if you look at it, in the 2019 election, 71% of British Muslims uh, supported the Labour Party, 9% supported the Conservatives, 12% didn't vote, and 8% supported other parties. But then they they did a poll just a couple of days ago. How would British Muslims vote today after the Labour Party and the Conservative Party have both kind of betrayed Palestinians? 40% um, said we're not voting at all. 21% said we'll vote for someone independent. 17% said we'll vote for the Green Party, which is the largest kind of political party that supports BDS in the UK, the largest political party that's kind of condemned what's happening to Palestinians. And Labour has went from 71% of Muslims in the UK saying they'll support supporting them in the past election to 5%. The Conservatives went from 9% to less than 1%. Um, and this is something that I think we can really get politicians on in the US, where Democrats need Muslims to win. Democrats need to win Michigan. They need to win Minnesota. They need to win Pennsylvania. They need to win Georgia. And they cannot win those states without Muslim votes. The Somali community in Minnesota there, if they don't vote, or even half of them don't vote for the Democratic presidential candidate, they're done for. Michigan, if they don't win Dearborn, the Democrats are not going to win there. Pennsylvania, you know the I don't I don't know if the the you know Makassi. Germantown like <laughs> not, Pennsylvania <laughs> not so much. Min Minnesota, Michigan, I can see that hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. And if you look at someone even like Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders went very hard on the Palestinian cause, and now he's abandoned it. And in 2014, he also was not very good on Palestine. And one thing that people are suggesting is he just did this because he wanted to win Michigan. And he knew he couldn't win Michigan without showing the kind of Palestinian and like Lebanese community there that I am someone who's good on Palestine. I am someone that you guys should support instead of kind of the normative candidate. It's actually something I was thinking about. You know how we did the Navigating Differences letter um, where it's like 100 imams signed on? What would... what? I don't, I don't know how the Democratic Party would react if 100 imams wrote a letter basically saying to Joe Biden, we're going to tell our congregations, withdraw, like, don't abstain from voting for the Democratic candidate if he, Biden doesn't support a ceasefire. And in 2024, if we can get 100 imams to do that, Biden's done for. If he doesn't have that Muslim vote, he's not going to win. Wow. You really think that, yeah, I mean, Michigan, uh, Minneapolis, what else? Those are the two I mean, states, even, really, that that uh, that I think the Muslims, though, they're going to not already as is the bulk of Muslims will not support Democrats for two reasons. Not just this. Right. More importantly, more morals and social issues. Right. Yeah. Uh, domestic social issues is what killed them more than this, because someone could make the argument that both sides are supporting Israel either way. So why don't I look at the next secondary issue as my judgment, right? And they may look at, say, Democrats are more inclusive, right? But their inc the inclusivity of Democrats has has gone so insane that they've, they've included things that Muslims want to vomit out. So they don't no longer... Um, I think most common, regular, everyday Muslims out there in, in, in these states, Michigan, Minnesota, they're already done with the Democratic Party just because of drag queens, and all of what they yeah. support in schools and all that stuff. So, but this is, it will probably add to it, right? Yeah. 
And I think even this issue is an issue that even has more kind of like consensus than even yeah. like the issues. Like the navigating differences letter, you had kind of like more liberal Muslims kind of upset over this. I don't, you're not, it's going to be very hard to find a Muslim who's going to be upset over like Palestine. It's an issue where we even have more consensus on it. There's way more consensus over Palestine. But what about the argument that, you know, the Republicans are probably more hawkish for Israel? Yeah, they'll be worse. But I think Stephen A. Smith said this once at a talk that he gave. He said that African Americans should not vote Democrat for one election to show that our votes aren't like these like reflexive votes that are just instinctive. That that's you have to exactly, do that's what's important. You're right. That's a great yeah. point. So like what I would say to Muslims, I, I never vote Democrat or Republican, but what yeah. I would say to Muslims, you vote Democrat is you can afford to lose an election. What you cannot afford to lose is your bargaining power. Yeah. And if you pull out like this, if you say that, you know, we're not going to campaign, we're not going to donate. We're not going to do these things. Maybe Democrats in 2028 will say we need Muslims to win and maybe we should start actually caring about them. Yeah. And uh, a lot of companies there it's it's in terms of politics, in terms of boycotting or losing customers, companies are constantly uh, pivoting. Likewise, politicians will also constantly pivot. Right. And I think that this coming election. We already have it right in front of us. Let's take a look at Michigan and Min- and Min- uh, Minneapolis, right? My, what am I saying? Which one's a state? Which one's a city? Minnesota. Minnesota's a state. No, it's a city. Minnesota's. Huh? No, Minneapolis. Oh, Minnesota. Why am I keep saying Minnesota? I keep saying Minneapolis. I meant Minnesota, right? So wait a second. Why are they called the Minnesota North Star? They named it after the state. Anyway, uh, so. Yeah, they named the team after the state. Uh, they usually named it. All right, whatever. Forget that. Uh, that's how uh, we're we're not all good with geography um, of the middle. You know, these poor con- these poor states. They get just called over flyover country in America. For the, those who don't know, most Americans do not know the names of the middle states. They just call them flyover nation, which is basically you only fly over them. And so I mis- mixed up my Minnesota and my Minneapolis. So Minnesota and Michigan. Right. That's what we got that I re- I'm already very interested to see if Muslims pull out. Will they really Im- impact the general election? Firstly, 100 c- percent. Firstly, can are they moving as a big block? Number two. Um, is what is their position of that? What is the general overarching position of that block? And number three, will it put a dent in Biden's uh, numbers this coming it's uh, just a number they cannot win Michigan they can't win Minnesota without Muslims even if you look at the percentage of Pennsylvania that's Muslim the percentage of Georgia that's Muslim if they just say we're not going to vote for the presidential candidate or the Democratic presidential candidate Muslims are done I mean uh Democrats are done and Biden won in Georgia by less than one percent and and it's already the case that Muslims are uh, we know that there's been they've been turned off by the Demo- by liberals and Democratic Party since last June, but has that carried over and solidified is the question. So I agree with you. They can't the Democrats can't win without the Muslim vote in Minnesota. Let's say Minnesota, Michigan, but have the Muslims sort of in large numbers made up their minds never to vote for Democrats again. 
I think in the UK, if you look at the numbers in the UK, they have 70% of Muslims voted Labour last election. Now only 7% of them would say that they would vote Labour. And what's their motivation? Is it morals? uh, I think that maybe it's because of that, but also because of recent events in Palestine, where it's like the Labour Party has not done anything for Palestinians in the same way the Democratic Party um, has not. Mm -hmm. You know what's up? Yeah. I was going to say, you know what's up and coming is Maine for Somalis, too. I see someone in the chat saying, are, are there a lot of Muslims in Minnesota? Yeah, there are, there are a lot of Somalis, and they make up a decent, you know, percentage that has been assumed to be for Democrats, right? Uh, Maine is also coming up as a place that has a, a lot of Somali migration there, too. And so... Uh, We'll see what happens, right? We'll see if those votes swing the other way. Uh, and I, again, I think more so than Israel, uh, and more so than that, it's going to be because of drag queen. Because uh, yeah, they're not they're not going to support a, the drag the party that's that's all about drag queens. Yeah. yeah. The other thing is Biden has not only he's flat out spread misinformation. Like yeah. he said that he saw, you know, pictures of beheaded children. It yeah. turns out these pictures don't exist. The claim is debunked. I think yesterday he said that when the Palestinian health ministry says this amount of people are killed, we don't trust them because they're associated with Hamas. Yeah. And it's like the yeah. UN has by these numbers. Yeah. When you when you're constantly like doing stuff like this, you're basically spreading war propaganda. When the hospital was killed, the next day he flies to Israel. He says that oh, you know, this is a uh, it was the other team that did it. it wasn't you guys yeah, that did it? Yeah. Later on, an investigation finds out the Israelis did it um, from you know mainstream corporate media outlets. This from like uh, I think it was the the New York Times or one of these kind of outlets. Um, so Biden's just straight up spreading misinformation. So it's yeah. like it's very hard to vote for someone like that. Yeah, yeah. I I don't think he's winning either way. Even if he did have the Muslim vote, I think that uh, the amount of wars that have taken place under his administration, whether it's, you can't directly link it back to anything that he did, but you are judged by, you know, the, the, these things. If there's an economic downturn or a war that breaks out, the president is going to be judged by whether it's fair or not. And I don't think that a lot of these countries out there would have done the same thing if Trump was president, because they know this guy's crazy, right? Just, Mm -hmm. just, just don't move because he's, he's so erratic you don't know what he's going to do. But that erraticism did actually paralyze a lot of groups. ISIS pretty much went out of business. They're now down to like, what, 15,000 soldiers, less than, maybe less than 10,000 soldiers now, recently, what I heard. right? And what, what have they done lately? The guy goes in there, kills Soleimani, the Iranian general. I think most people in the world said, just don't do anything right now because we got a crazy man. Okay, But then again, whether that was an act or otherwise... Fast forward now Now that Biden's in, everyone feels that they could do whatever they want, right? Putin goes into the Ukraine, all right? Ha- uh, uh, Hamas does this, right? Israel's doing stuff back. Everyone feels that they could do what they want because, you know, it's like the teacher is now too old. You know, like substitute, you have a substitute teacher, okay? And you feel like, oh, we could do what we want. But if the, guy, if the substitute teacher's strict, you can't do anything. If it's some, like frail old person ah it's a party right that's what you feel like in the world right now uh whether or not that's fair to judge him as that 
as being the cause of that, he will be judged by. So I don't think he's winning either way. Uh, let's now go to another segment of our program, and that is Q&A. Um, so Hamza, join me for this section here. We'll take some question, questions and answers, unless you have to go to class. When's your class? No, no I'm uh, I have a uh, sheikh of mine coming in like 15 minutes, but he comes from my house, so we're chilling. MashaAllah, good. So uh, here's a question from Hupo that I want to answer that's very important. Didn't the Sahaba say, we don't know if the people of the book say Bismillah, so the Prophet said, say Bismillah and eat it, okay? So we don't know everything, and we don't know they do in their slaughter. No, there's, there's something very important to, 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 to just discuss here. Number one, there is a big difference between saying bismillah and slaughtering okay saying bismillah is not at the level of slaughtering slaughtering means cutting the jugular vein one two the throat and the windpipe there's four veins at the very least you got to cut one jugular at the very least okay if not all four and beheading the animal is discouraged okay it's discouraged because you want the brain to be connected Still, you want the communication to be connected. It's not discouraged because it looks gross. No, well, we're going to cut it up anyway, right? That's not the reason. It's it's discouraged because you want the brain, you want the animal to be in one piece so that it communicates to the uh, that it continues to the heart to keep pumping and get the, the all the blood out. Okay, so that aside, saying Bismillah is not agreed upon as an obligation in the four schools. The Shafi school says it's. Sunnah. The Hanafi school says it's fard. The Maliki school is in the middle and says that it's an obligation if you are capable and remember to do it. That means if a Muslim, he's slaughtering all day, he's got something on his mind and he forgot to say Bismillah, it's still accepted. Right? If a Muslim cannot say Bismillah for some reason, like these big machines, he says one Bismillah for the whole thing. Okay? Likewise in hunting, for example. Uh, you're hunting in a tree and you see a bunch of birds. You say, Bismillah. You don't know which bird is hitting. I'm not going to say, Bismillah for that bird, Bismillah for that bird, Bismillah for that bird. No. One Bismillah and wherever it goes. If you have a hunting dog, one Bismillah, whatever he brings back, he brings back. So the Bismillah is not on the same scale as the slaughtering. This slaughtering is unanimously agreed upon. Any animal on land that has not killed by that method of slaughter is meta. Meta. We cannot eat it. Okay? So, the correct, the sound understand, uh, 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 narration you're talking about is that a pagan tribe had entered Islam. Okay? This actually proves what we're saying. A pagan tribe had entered Islam. They were very new in Islam. They sent meat over to the Muslims. Hey, we're Muslim too now. Have a gift. The Muslims said, they don't know a lot about Islam yet. Maybe they didn't say Bismillah when they slaughtered. So the Prophet said, you say Bismillah and eat it. Thereby affirming the Shafi and Maliki positions that it's not a non-negotiable obligation. Because they didn't know. Okay? They were ignorant of it. Or we, they assumed that maybe they were ignorant of it. So that affirms that the Bismillah was not the same level of tashria a level a legal level as the slaughtering right that is the context the context is not we didn't that they were christian number one they weren't they're were pagans the context number two is that it regarded the besmala 
which is negotiable, and it's it's in its legislation, not the slaughter. They knew that they slaughtered because everyone in that world slaughtered. Nobody was hitting the the cow on the head or the sheep on the head at that time. Everyone was slaughtering. There's the way that everyone ate. So that's the answer to that question. Saracen has a question. How can you bring on Yasir Qadi when he supports LGBT and he, what does it say here? That he um, has heretical Mm -hmm. views on the Quran. Okay. Sheikh Yasir Qadi did, um, did not support the LGBT in what I know of. He maybe <clears throat> said it is a statement that some people made that we support um, them in some cases politically, but not religiously. That, in my opinion, if that's confirmed that he said that, which I think probably Hakikachu has it on his, 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 his thing. Um, he, he did make a video and he did cite those, but that wasn't something that, I would say that's a mistake. It would be sinful for a Muslim to support a group like that politically, but I don't think he actually upheld that. I, I could be wrong, but he said some said this. Some hold that view, right? And so either way, he did, Yasir Qadi did not say anything explicitly and repeat it and becomes part of his preaching that would remove somebody from Ahl-Sunnah uh, in the broadest sense of the word, or remove somebody, you know, from the 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 broad big tent of of Sunni Islam to a degree that we would say, no, we're never going to put him on a platform again. No, what he all of his opinions are opinions within. You can agree with them or disagree with them, but I can't say I wouldn't have brought him on. I wouldn't be friends with him. I know him. We talk, right? Um, no, so I didn't. I don't see. I don't agree that that's um, the case with him. Um, as for the Ahruf, I am talking to him, you know, about it. But he has told me he is not saying any of this in public, right? In the sense that he's not bringing about some uh, new version of the Qiraat. He has no intention to do this, right? And and I personally didn't follow. I probably now that he's asking the question should look at it, but. I didn't follow the public uh, back and forths regarding that issue. I did follow the LGB issue, but not the public one. In any event, so my personal opinion is that Sheikh Yasir Qadi is far from somebody that should be you know, boycotted by Sunni Muslims. I actually still think that his, his public little clips and snippets are, are great, right? My kids listen to them all the time. My family listens to them all the time. So that's my opinion. Other, yeah. To add on, to, this is this is a book of Ulum al Quran that we studied at Al-Sahar, right? Yeah. There are twenty-one opinions for what the Ahruf like consider, and Sheikh Yasser Qadi he has a library chat. He says that I take a view that's not like the normative opinion, but it's one of these kind of like different opinions, and he's like, that's all I meant. Um, yes, thank you. That he, that's what he told me. He said, "Listen, watch that library chat," and he said the opinion that he uttered in an email that was private. So to me, that email is not up for discussion because it was private. Someone publicized it. He said that opinion is found in the early books. It's, so, I think hold on. it's the, the view of Shatabi, it's the view of Imam Shafi, all these guys. Um, someone hasn't studied Ulum al Quran, they're not going to understand it. So he, like, it's 
you know, kind yes. of besides the point. I, I remember now that yeah. in my private dis- uh, discussions, you know, he, he also said to go to that library chat. And in that library chat, he cites big names of scholars. And as somebody, I'm not any, uh, anyone's referee, but when somebody tells me, hey, my opinion is... I'm gonna. I'm going with shots to be on this or Shafi. You're within the circle, whether anyone agrees or disagrees. But you are definitely within Ahlus Sunnah if you're attributing your opinions back to uh, scholars such as those. And so, for that reason, um, no, he's not somebody that anybody I, I believe should be. You, you study with him or not? But is he somebody that should not be platformed by a Muslim by Muslims? No, I don't think that he should be deplatformed by Muslims for any reason like that all right let's see what else we got here um liberal muslims will not go along with this because they're still more afraid of trump liberal muslims are not they're louder than they are impactful your, your local um, Muslim leader, imam, what have you, probably has more sway. Your shiuch have more sway with the people, the Muslim people, than a lot of these liberal writers. These liberal crowd, that liberal crowd is a very small crowd. They're louder than they are actually impactful. They cannot say what any, what any of you know, what they believe at a mosque filled with a thousand people. Their videos online, in comparison with regular normal Muslims, they don't match at all. Like their numbers are so thin. So they're more of a nuisance when they put something out there, all right, than they are impactful. So I wouldn't even, you know, think twice about them because, and I actually think their numbers are decreasing. They imagine that, they, I don't know what they imagine, but looking around, you know, their message doesn't resonate to regular Muslims anymore. Their message doesn't trickle down to a family, right? As soon as you have two, three kids, you start looking at like, how do I raise these kids properly, right? And I can't raise them in a bubble of their own weird ideas. I need to raise them with a community, right? So even when they when they become like, when they come to that realization, they then you know, either keep their ideas to themselves or they fix their ideas. I think it's a phase for a lot of people, especially college students. It's like an inferiority complex. Yeah. And then you mix that with like not being able to stand for your own exactly. tradition. Yeah. And then you have these liberal guys that are like... And on top of that, people like want to go against their dad or against their their elders. You know, they want to be unique or something like that. But most people who, who go into that level um, or go go that direction, they pull back as soon as real life happens that's what they say if you're young you know when you're young you're liberal you get older right start using your brain you become conservative all right let's look at this question here um this question here says uh unfortunately i scrolled i missed it um oh we're reactionary. This question is from Salman. As says, we're reactionary. Why are we so reactionary? Uh, we can't keep swinging between Democrats and Republicans. I actually think that, one, reactionary, you're correct. We're not driving the agenda. But we're too insignificant yet to drive the agenda. 
once your numbers become big enough, okay, then yes, you can start to drive an agenda. And people have to pay attention to you. But when Muslims become big enough, will they drive the agenda and become a swing vote that both parties have to cater to? Or is it more likely that Muslims will end up not being organized, under not being unified, I should say, and end up actually having a presence in both parties and in every party that exists? I believe it's going to be the latter. I don't, I don't believe there is going to ever be a, sing, uh, a, lar, a massive Muslim polity that goes in one direction. I believe that could have been the case. That could have been the case if Muslims in America were one ethnicity and one memory. Like there, in, in, in Australia, in Australia, in Sydney, there's a, there's a region there called Lakemba. Right? It's a town within Sydney. They, contr- they have, uh, they're a swing vote that every party, every politician has to cater to. Now, what are they, why are they unified? They're all, not just they're all Muslim, but they're all from the same uh, uh, roots from Lebanon. So they share family, they share a memory, they share an origin story, right? Muslims in America do not share any of this. We only share Islam. African, African-American Muslims view political view, historical view, is very different from, let's say, uh, a Bosnian, right? Who, who came to America and America helped his country, right? And America was a, a force in his favor, okay? And brought him over here. Or, uh, you know, an Arab is going to have a different view than a Pakistani, okay? So uh, I don't believe that there will be a single, one single Muslim bloc permanently. Maybe in this one election, Muslims are so disgusted by the, the moral side of the Democrats that they're not going to, they're, they're, for a while, they're going to disavow them. But I believe that in the future, the more likely uh, scenario is for Muslims to be in every party and have every persuasion, right? That's well, the long term. Yeah. That's what I believe. Imam Wardin Muhammad, when he was asked this question, he said when uh, Yusuf Salam's father sent his brothers to Egypt, he told them all to enter through different gates. And mm. he said there's wisdom in that for us. And he said what? He said there's a wisdom in that for us in terms of That's how we amazing. align. Yep. Enter from different gates of the city, right? Different gates of the city. Every city's got different, uh, the, the whole city's got entrances. So there was a wisdom in that. Um, and I believe that that's what Muslims will end up being. And I believe that that's more powerful in the long run, right? Than being one swing vote. If you're one unified swing vote, but right, then you're always going to be at risk. You're going to be at risk. Okay. There is a risk to that. And the risks to that is that when you're, if you're too unified on things, then once you're broken, you're finished, right? But if you're decentralized and everyone, you know, does what they think is right and your numbers increase, you will be everywhere, right? And in the long term, I think that's better for us. So I, I don't think that it's good to be, you know, part of any political party, but there are benefits to be gained. I don't think it's right, but there, it's, it's right is very different from there are benefits to be gained. There are benefits to be gained for the Ummah 
from people who do wrong things. And the Prophet ﷺ told us that. Allah will help his deen by a, a profligate man. Meaning, people will do wrong things. The ummah will benefit from it. They will be sinful for it. Okay? So Muslims will get into political parties, get close to candidates, do many wrong things in the process. But also there will be a benefit for Muslims eventually. So that's what I think is going to happen. Okay. Uh, there is an Israeli here says, you read in the Quran, you will find that it says a promised land given to Bani Israel. That is correct. Yes, at that time. Okay. At that time. It was promised to Bani Israel at that time. If they go and fight the pagans that are there, that was the law at that time. It's yours. Fight those pagans. Okay? You are still following that law and consider the Palestinians to be pagans. So according to your law, okay, by your Jewish law, you are making logical sense. Because that is the Jewish belief. Right? I don't care who's there. I don't care who owns the house. I don't care if you're a man, woman, and child. Deuteronomy, we kill you all and we take Israel. Just go tell that to your American politician, Right? who's thinking that you're some nice democratic nation in the Middle East. That's your problem. But you, whoever, whatever this, uh, the, I don't read Hebrew, but whatever his name is in purple there, if you read the Quran, you will find that the promised land Israel, yes, the Quran was citing the previous law, and that is still your law. So go do it, right? But announce it to the world. We're not a democratic state. We're a genocidal state, because that law that God had... Gave in, given to Moses, okay, that is, that the God's law changes over time based upon, okay, Aaron Cohen, his name is, based upon, you know, God's will, it changes over time. And that is not the law of how we treat people and do things now. Go ahead, Hamza. I also think that's like a very kind of like not intelligent reading of the Quran, mm -hmm. as if, you know, our ulama have been reading the Quran. Like somehow it's just in there that, oh, you know, God is like a real estate agent that promises one land to like a group. But yeah. also even like Old Testament, like New Testament, um, the founders of Zionism were not religious people. They were yeah. atheist, agnostic, secular Jews. Mm -hmm. And a big opposition to Zionism came from Orthodox Jews who said that, um, one, that we don't have the right to be here until Messiah comes. But also uh, people who wrote about the fact that if you are going to like conquer this land, you cannot do it in a way that breaks kind of Jewish law. You can't yeah. kill innocent people. You can't do all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh, Rabbi uh, Abraham Joshua Herzl, he writes about that when he read about the Nakba, he said that I spent that whole night in tears because I said, how could who you know you could use Judaism? Uh, Abraham Joshua Herzl, the he marches with Martin Luther King. Um, is that he Herzl's is grandson? No, 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 no relation. No relation, okay. Uh, oh, Heschel, not Herzl, I'm sorry, I misspoke. But yeah. Abraham Joshua Heschel, he said that when I read about how Israel was established, he said, I cried. How could a state be established that calls itself Jewish like that? Yeah, I, I, I agree. There are conditions on how you, if we're going to follow the Bible, there are conditions that you have to observe as a Jew. Okay? Aren't you not even supposed to do anything yourself? To establish it, you're supposed to wait for the Messiah to do it. And what if you were to do it, you have to follow certain rules. Listen, um, we have nothing against Jews other than our theological debates. 
This is about apartheid settlers, okay? That's what it's about. Oppressors of Gaza, uh, Palestinians in Gaza and the West Bank. And I said it earlier too. Listen, Muslims, Ottoman Empire lost World War I. Britain took it as a spoil of war. Britain now is the, is the legal possessor of this land. You don't like it, don't lose wars. That's what I've said for many times. You don't like it, don't lose wars. Right? But you lost the war. Now they're the occupiers of that, they're the keepers of that land. Okay, British mandate. Mandate is just a nice word for temporary colonialism until we figure out what we're going to do with this thing we don't want. Okay? You, you buy a house and there's like a pool table in the basement. Oh, what am I going to do with this thing? Right? I don't want it. They didn't want it. They then really fumbled it badly. Okay? They really fumbled it badly. And they say, all right, this is going to go to the Zionists. Right? And these pockets here will go to the Palestinians. You just set it up for a disaster. And do you think they did that, you know, just by mistake? Or did they do it because they always love to leave a place in a civil war? They, they, they did it everywhere, mostly. Leave the place in a civil war, okay? But in any event, they did that. All right, that part of the land is now Israel, okay? But what they did afterwards, okay, what Israel did right immediately upon 1948, okay, and the homes they stole and the people they killed and the Nakba they committed, the catastrophe, Nakba means catastrophe, and then what they continued to do, the people of Gaza and West Bank, okay, that's the oppression, that's the grievance. All right. Uh, let's go to... <clears throat> Uh, Saracen says, listen, your friend Yasser Qadi wrote that Muslims have an outdated Newtonian view of Islam while he, you know, he has a Yale and Einstein view of Islam. <laughs> listen, P, uh, let me just give you the Qawaid. Saracen, I think he's a well-intending brother. I've seen him here, uh-huh. if he's the same guy. But there are Qawaid to when we disavow somebody. And it's when they take a doctrinal position, okay, a aqidah position, a position of usul al-din, the roots of the religion, okay, that contradicts what is qat'i and no discussion, has no discussion about it, okay, in contrast with a word here and a word there, a statement here and a statement there, okay, everyone's going to say a statement that is, that you think is of bad taste or think is wrong. But that differs from a aqidah position. On the live stream, he stated very clearly his aqidah is essentially the 40 Nawi hadith, the tahawiyah. What else do you want from a person as a baseline? As a baseline. Okay. Uh, just to give an example, uh, okay, as an example here, uh, outdated Newtonian view of Islam. Well, that could be up for interpretation. What does that even mean? Right? So we don't go on statements like that. We go for the clear doctrine. Now, that doesn't mean you have to love, like the person or study the person, okay? Or trust the person. But it does mean that, that is the, these are the principles by which we consider someone uh, a, a Muslim upon the sunnah that we are going to give him the basic rights of a Muslim upon the sunnah and otherwise. Okay, that's that. Um, if you're saying about platforming, why would you give him a platform? Well, I gave two people a platform. And my aqidah, obviously, he knows this. And Sheikh Asrar Rashid is one and the same. Okay? We are on the same track. 
So I didn't, it's not like I brought somebody and that was it. I'm discussing with him. Sheikh Asra is discussing with him. Differences. Now remember, these are differences within ijtihadi matters. Not differences in the principles of Islam. I don't think we have any differences in the principles of Islam. Usul al-Din. We have differences on secondary matters of ijtihad. Okay. So that's acceptable. Um, we were saying here that uh, I was talking again about this, this, this Jewish gentleman that Jews that there are Israelis too who are against this oppression. So Elon Pape is an Israeli, right? The guy has probably done more than anybody else to expose the oppression. So we're not here against Israelis or even Israelis by itself does not cut it to me. Zionist by itself, a guy who wants himself to live in peace. That by itself, right? No, it's someone supporting apartheid, someone supporting oppression of the Palestinian people. That is really the, the, the grievance. You're honing in on the grievance right there. Okay. And really anyone at this point who supports the state of Israel, the state is committing these crimes. Anyone who supports it. Being born in it doesn't mean you necessarily support it. Okay. Otherwise, we'd all be guilty for the Iraq War too, right? And, and, and all those atrocities, which we're not. And every Muslim will be guilty of uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Uh, every American, I mean, would be guilty for what the Americans did in Japan. That's not, that's not fair, right? So it's not just where you're born. It's the positions you willfully take. Um, Hamza, final words? Um... This isn't actually related to, this is loosely related to Palestine, but yeah. when they're, they're asking the questions about like Sheikh Yasser Qaldi, I was actually thinking of a story that Sheikh Ahmed uh, Sharif told us. Sheikh Ahmed Sharif is like one of the leading Hanafi scholars in Egypt, and he was teaching us Quduri. And um, we were discussing how in the Hanafi school, there's a certain time for the Iqama we get up, whereas the Shafis, they do it at the beginning of the Iqama. And he told us that there is a city in India. This city is majority Hindu, and the Muslims are a minority. And um, all the Muslims in the city are from the same tribe. So he's like, you know, they're the minority, same tribe. There was a group of Muslims who said that, you know, we don't want to be like Hanafis. We're going we're gonna to be Shafis. They said, okay, that's fine. And they said that, you know, when the Iqama is called, we want you guys to get up right away. They said, we're Hanafis. We don't get up right away. We get up, you know, when the Imam says, Hayd al-Salah uh, or Hayd al-Falah. And then um, they said, okay, so we're going to establish a, a Shafi masjid because we don't want people to do things that, like, you know, we don't want to do. The Hanafi masjid in the city is very large. The Shafi masjid is, you know, tiny. The RSS, you know, Modi's, like, kind of group, they say that, oh, if this is the case, uh, you know, we can go and we can attack the people in the Shafi masjid because they're so small. So because of, you know, these divisions, like, the Muslims are weakened. And it's like, think about what's going right on right now in Palestine. You know, Muslims are, you know, in a in a kind of very bad place. You know, over 7,000 people have died. And here we are cherry-picking statements from Yasser Ghaldi, where if you if you look in the tradition, it, it's not like he's like some, like, heretic. I mean, even even myself, like, you know, I'm madhabi. I'm, I'm not like, a, you know, my, my school of Aqidah is different from his and all of that. But we still accept him as... Someone who's like a part of Ahlul Sunnah, and in addition to that, someone who's done a lot of good in terms of Dawah and all of that, and it's also someone who's had the ikhlas, someone who's had the sincerity to say the kind of you know Muhammad ibn Abdul Wahab stuff that I was preaching for like you know a decade, I was wrong and I shouldn't have done that. 
Um, so I think it's very important for Muslims to kind of, you know, understand the big picture and not get like caught up in the weeds. And the way you do this without becoming just a lovey-dovey for no reason and love everybody or be so open-minded that your brain falls out is that you have to um, have tears. There is usul al-din. Things no two Muslims can differ upon. And then there's usul of Ahl sunnah It is known by necessity to the scholars. Meaning, it doesn't take much effort to know that this is part of our religion. It may not be well known to everybody. That's the next tier up. And anyone who contradicts that knowingly, then you're no longer on the sunnah. That's how we have sects. The heretical sects, they go against that. Right? Uh, if you go against what is known by everybody in the religion, right? so widespread and clear-cut and cannot be misunderstood, you're not even a Muslim. That's the next level. The third level is ijtihadi matters. Ijtihadi matters are things that in the text of the religion really could go both ways. You could have three, four different interpretations. It's not exactly crystal clear. Well, look like we said about the Basmala in slaughter. There's, there's different opinions. The fourth level is... <coughs> <coughs> Um, worldly interactions such as I'm going to avoid this person I'm going to make this political stance okay we can consider that guided or misguided okay I could consider that wrong or right but it's not even of the deen it's how you act with the deen it's an action right we wouldn't even say you, you, we would say that you are you know it's a political decision that's that's guided or misguided or that I agree with or disagree with so it's a worldly matter because religion is not just theory. It's actions too. Like a sheikh then goes, supports a revolution. That's his action in the world. I can disagree with it or, or agree with it. It has nothing to do with his theology, right? It has to do with how he acts upon his beliefs. That's a fourth level. What is the fifth one? Random statements here and there that a person makes once in their life, Right? And doesn't build a legacy upon it. Doesn't build a movement upon it. And those, I think that everyone, you're going to find someone made some statement here and there that offended somebody that was wrong, that was in bad taste. But they didn't like make their, you know, religion based upon that. They just, it's a statement that people, and that's, I think, would be the least. You know, people, maybe they apologize for it. Maybe they get too arrogant to apologize for it. Maybe they politically can't apologize for it. Because um, it's now become like a feud. And if I apologize, I look weak. So, so I would say take that as the least, right? Again, to repeat them again, things that are explicitly known, explicitly known to everybody who's a Muslim. Things that are explicitly known to anyone who studies a little bit. The scholars and the students of knowledge. Then that's what forms Ahl-Sunnah. The third level matters that are differed upon with many valid opinions. The fourth level is how we act upon our knowledge. We may agree, disagree, right? Hey, I don't like the way they're doing things in this mosque. I'm going to open up my own mosque. Okay? We say, that's good. No, that's divisive. Okay, it's a matter of, of opinion, really, in how we act upon the religion. Not opinion in the religion. A, okay, it's an opinion on how we act on the religion. And then the fifth one is like random statements here and there. So uh, that's why I believe that the ig it's ignorant to take those last two categories and split the ummah based upon them. You can't. We're not allowed to do that. Mm. Even the third one, 
We're not allowed to, to, to have division in our ummah and hatred. Okay? Division, hatred, disavowal. I never talked to him again. All that, he, treating them like a heretic for these three, uh, uh, these three, uh, you know, uh, tranches of things. Okay? The comments on the Quran are usuli. <sighs> Uh, and of course, the comment, the bad, distasteful comment has conditions. It should not be a comment that contradicts the religion, right? It's just a distasteful comment, like about a political group or about, you know, um, something that's not of the religion. So Saracen is not, he, he still is saying that these comments on the Quran are usuli, all right? But is... Oh, has he studied like Ulum al-Quran? Huh? Has he I don't know, but, I don't know yeah. but he's saying here, for example, let's take an example. And I'm not here to like to make a show about one person that's not right. But just because he's saying it in the chat, there's many people in the chat. He's saying someone said the verses of Quran are bizarre. Oh, look, we have to have a charitable approach to things and a reasonable one. A person who spends their whole life preaching the deen. Okay. Do you believe that he thinks Allah's words are bizarre or did he mean bizarre in your eyes, right? He's speaking to non-Muslims and said some of the punishments in Islam and he used the word bizarre. Yes, do we believe that a person who spent that much time in the religion, that invested, is going to believe that the rules of the Sharia are bizarre? Or did he, We should we say, no, he slipped, is a slip of the tongue. What he actually meant, which makes more sense, is that you, oh, non-Muslims who I'm talking to, liberals, think they're bizarre. In your eyes, they're bizarre. Okay? As if quoting them. Hamza, does that make sense? Yeah. Right? Because I've had, I've had you, you have to judge yeah. the person. A person spent their whole life preaching the Sharia. And then makes a statement like this. It can't be that that's what he believes. It cannot be. What he must have meant is that he's sort of quoting them. Like, you think it's bizarre. And then these people who undermine these shiuk, who spent like decades studying the deen, then who do they go to for their deen? They go to uh, some guy who studied like two years with like some madkhalis in Yemen and stuff. Yeah. And it's like, you're undermining the people who actually have him to go to these like jokesters who say much crazier things. And let me tell you this. It's very important for all of us to understand the importance of arguing for and interpreting something in favor of a Muslim with a good track record. With a good track record. With a track record of loyalty to the deen and, and Islam. So when, I say, when somebody says here, oh, so he, he's quoting again. And I'm just using this. I'm just using this as an example of how to have husnadhan. Husnadhan is not just a fuzzy-wuzzy thing. Husnadhan is to interpret something favorably for somebody else. Okay? To interpret something favorably for somebody else. Because they deserve it. Because their track record. Okay? So, it's almost like I go to a restaurant a hundred times. On the hundred and one first time, okay, the chicken was terrible. was dry and old. Okay? Do I now say, this owner, he's trying to serve me bad chicken? Or do I say, it's a fluke, it's a mistake? So likewise, he's saying here that, um, what about his statement that so-and-so's book in Harvard shattered my faith? 
Shattered in faith, we have to now ask, faith in what? Faith in the whole, in Allah and His Messenger? Faith in the Qur'an is from Allah? Or faith in certain, an interpretation of something, right? We have to have, that is the meaning of husn al-dhan. It is to interpret something in accord with the person's positive track record, right? It's to make a ta'wil in accord of person's track record. So, is it, is it fathomable? That he doesn't believe in Allah revealed the Quran anymore? Is it fathomable that he doesn't believe the Quran is the preserved word of Allah? No. Maybe he shattered his faith in an aforementioned interpretation of the Ahruf. Right? It was actually, yeah, it, it was more specifically, if you watch this whole video, like people don't watch the whole video. He's talking about his faith in like the like Wahhabi, like Manhaj. Okay, that's another thing. Could it possibly be shattered his faith in the interpretation of the Wahhabi Aqidah or the Wahhabi Usul, right? Or the Wahhabi this or that or the other? It's possible. Okay, I can open the book, right? Uh, Al-Risala. No, not Al-Risala. Which one is Shafi's book that in which he argues against Amal Ahl al-Madinah in the Maliki school, right? Uh, and I could say a, a comment and we could be chit-chat and say, oh, that destroyed me, right? What, does it destroy my belief in Allah? It may destroy, it may uh, weaken my faith in interpretation. So this is, this is what we mean by Husnidhan is taking a statement like this. And I'll tell you where we cannot do this. There's a line. We have to know that there's a line. Um, Amina would do saying Prophet Ibrahim is a deadbeat dad. I can't interpret that. There's no ta'wil for that. Right? That's kufr on the spot. So we have to learn the principles of ta'weed. If I can possibly make ta'weed and the person has a track record, all right, at that point we have to make that ta'weed. All right? And we're in the contrast. If I can interpret, ta'weed means an interpretation. If I can interpret something, the words are too clear. And you have a bad track record, right, of loving heresy, then ta'weed is silly. Interpretation is silly, Right? At that point, and it's not accepted. It's 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 not acceptable. All right. So Levon Brown is saying yes. Don't jump to the ne most negative conclusion when a person has a great track record, and when there is a context that would allow for us to to mean yo, he must have meant that. It's impossible that he meant uh, what's on its face. So we should all learn this because it's important to avoid. You know, uh, uh, division. It's imp it's, it's imp very important to avoid division, and it's important to establish division where it's necessary. Right? We are a people. We're not fuzzy wuzzies. We believe in establishing division where necessary. Right? Someone like Amina Wadud says those types of things. No, we are establishing division. She will n not ever hold a microphone. You know, uh, in, in a in a Sunni mosque. She shouldn't, right? She would never, never be at NBIC. She's not, yeah. And if she, if she comes in, I'm going to say, listen, this is the person. Don't, don't go around salaming and being nice to someone who said that about Prophet Ibrahim. It's as if they said it about your own dad. The prophets are to be treated more, with more sanctity than your own mom and dad. And the mothers of the believers more than your mom. So, listen, most people, Saracen would say this and they ignore him. I'm not ignoring him, I'm talking, right? A, a brother says something. So I'm talking to him, okay? Um, mm, 
he's okay. So what hijab and YQ? I don't. I didn't see that to be honest with you. Hijab and YQ. All right. So, so yes, I, I actually have to go because I. Have you got to go. We're going too. All right, we're going to head off, folks. Oh, I have a very important announcement. We have new live stream hours. I am going to start devoting my time to Safina Press. We have many books to put out. Okay. As much as I love sitting here, and I could sit here until 7 at night chit-chatting with the people online and reading from books. Okay. The, li- the new live stream hours will be Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Monday, I have to devote to writing. All right. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. These are now our new live stream hours, okay? Uh, we will probably put up uh, a post for that to make sure that... Uh, uh, okay. To make sure that everyone knows this. But again, to repeat... The new live stream hours, same time, 1 o'clock, 1 o'clock, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And we will try to be at 1 o'clock, right? I always leave at 12 from my house or make the intention to do so, right? Uh, It doesn't take an hour to get here, so 10 minutes to get here. But 1 o'clock, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Monday, yes, it seems like we're losing that Monday, but what we're going to gain out of it is books. That's what we're going to gain out of it. We're going to, Safina Press is now something, and we're putting out our first publication very, very soon. All right, Jazakumullah khairan, everybody. Uh, Saracen may agree with me, may not agree, but I have laid down my principles, right? Um, And I also, from my principles, is that I'm not the only one with knowledge and not the only one with a brain. In fact, many of my colleagues have bigger brains and more knowledge. I look at them as well. They're also seeing all the other imams. So when I also see uh, that Sheikh Yasir Fahmi and Imam Zaid Shakir and many other imams, young and old, are still interacting with someone, then they must have reached the same conclusion I have, that the point of contention is not of usul al-din. Okay? It may be a point of contention related to usul al-din. But it is not an usuli that would put a person outside Ahl Sunnah. It would be a matter of ikhtilaf or a matter of the expression was not right. Right? And therefore, that person would not be someone that we have to ignore now and we have to isolate that person. Okay? So, again, we will discuss this more in the future, the parameters of how we treat people, how we interact, when we cut someone off, when we don't cut someone off. When we limit ourselves with somebody and when we don't limit ourselves. We talked about a lot of things in this live stream. Don't forget to donate through GRT. Oh, we said we had said we were going to get to 30,000. Did we or not? Where are we at? We are at 30,000. Oh, Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. We said we're going to hit 30,000. We're at 37 thousand put the link please 37,700 dollars raised through the uk authorized grt global relief uh trust charity in from the uk money's going straight to jordan the businesses there are uh, in gaza the banks are in jordan businesses are in gaza because people are like how are you getting money to gaza this is suspicious the money is going to business bread uh, bread, supermarkets, all that, clothes, diapers, okay? 
The businesses are there are, are the bank accounts are in Jordan. The business is in Gaza. Okay. And they are giving money and food out. So we passed, we smashed the 30,000. We're now at 37,700. Jazakumullah khairan, everyone. Um, Aaron Cohen, make sure it goes to the people and not to Hamas. I can guarantee you, the organization has guaranteed us, okay? And that is not to affirm, you know, I'm not any affirming any Western categorizations of Hamas. But I will affirm that it is going to orphans. It is going to the injured. It is going to buy ambulances. This organization has a number of ambulances. Okay? They're buying more ambulances for, uh, and, and, and going there. So Aaron Cohen, listen. He, oh, I said it very, care if someone's Jewish or not, right? Even Israeli or not. The issue, our issue is with what's happening to the people of Gaza. So you're always welcome to come on our live stream. Jazakumullah khairan, everyone. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا وعملوا الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وسيوال Tuesday remember new hours Tuesday Wednesday Thursday والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته